You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Today I receive all of God's love for me. Today I open myself to the limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today I open myself to God's Word. So I become more like Jesus every day. Today I proclaim that I'm God's beloved. I'm God's servant. I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big hand today. He is here. He is here. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Lovely. All right, I want you to high-five some 682 people around you. High-five all of them and tell them, God is here. God is here. God is here. Yes. That's the most important thing in the world. God is here. You might have woken up in the right side of the bed. You might have woken in the wrong side of the bed. It does not matter because God is here. And where God is here, miracles happen. Do you believe in miracles? Every day is a miracle. The fact that you are alive is a miracle. Yes? Oh, it's so good. Today we're going to talk about remembering. I want you to tell somebody beside you, remember. Tell somebody beside you, that person on the right or on the left or on the front or the back, tell that person, remember you are beautiful. Tell the other person beside you, remember you are strong. Tell the other person beside you, remember you are amazing. Put your hand over your chest. Everybody say, I'm phenomenal. Look at somebody beside you and say, Diba, I'm wonderful. Remember. You need to remember. You know, this is God's message for you today. God is telling you, Remember my love for you. Remember how much I love you. Remember what I've done for you. Remember how blessed you are. Amen? One, one last time. Put your hand over your chest and say, I am totally, completely, perfectly loved. Your, your, your two hands, like you're embracing yourself. And everybody say, I am totally, completely, perfectly loved. One last time. I am totally, completely, and perfectly loved. Embrace somebody beside you and just tell that person, you are totally, completely, and perfectly loved. Amen. Amen. We are in the second talk of our crazy, <laughs> amazing series on Deuteronomy. And here, it picks up from where the book of Numbers left off. Uh, this is Moses, and he's standing. Imagine I'm Moses, and imagine all of you are the Jews, second generation, because the fir first generation died in the desert, in the wilderness. And so he's, you're, you, you are now in the doorstep of the promised land. You're about to enter, and then, you know, just imagine that you really want to enter already, and then Moses gives a lecture, a long history class to you, three chapters long. <laughs> and you're there, can we not go in already? And no, and, and Moses keeps on saying, remember, remember, remember. And this is, this is God. God is telling you right now, before you go in, please remember. Remember what I've done. Deuteronomy 4 verse 9. Let's sing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Moses says, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Amen. Amen. Put your hand over your chest and just pray with me. Jesus, you are here. 
and let your word continue to create miracles in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Give the Lord a big hand and love him. Love him. Love him. Take your seats. Touch somebody. Tell the person God will speak to you today. And then tell that person, remember. Let me begin with a sad and scary story of a friend of mine. She was in her 80s and she was a daily mass goer. And she, like clockwork, every morning before 6 o'clock would hop into a tricycle. Tricycle brings her to church, goes to mass after mass, rides a tricycle, goes back home. She is the kind of woman who is feisty and stubborn. Her daughter says, Mom, don't, don't go alone. But she says, I can, I'm strong and I'm, you know. She's, she's very bullheaded, bullheaded. But on one fateful day, one historic fateful day there, the day that they would not want to remember. She goes to church. And then the daughter is waiting for her at home. And she does not come back at the appointed time. At the usual time. The daughter rushes to the church. Cannot find her. You can imagine the panic. The panic. Let me fast forward the story. A few hours later... A tricycle driver finds my elderly friend walking on the street, totally lost. And this tricycle driver kind of like recognizes her but does not. And asks, Lola, sangka papunta? Where are you going? And my friend said, I want to go home. And so the tricycle driver said, Ihahatid kita, Lola. I will bring you there. Where do you live? And the Lola says, Doon sa, doon sa. And she could not remember her street. And then the driver said, Lola, ano pangalan mo? What is your name? And she said, Ako si ano? Ako si. And she could not remember her name. Alzheimer's, the cruel blow of Alzheimer's. Dementia, the general term for the decrease of mental capacity, has taken over her brain. I, I tell you this story, by the way, just want you to know she's safe because there was another tricycle driver who found her, recognized her, brought her home. Thanks be to God. But I want you to know that this deadly disease, and it's a horrible disease, there is a similar disease like this, and it is, I believe, more pervasive. Ask me what? Louder. Dementia of the soul. It is when you forget your spiritual identity, your spiritual destiny, and your spiritual family. It is when you forget who you are, why you live, and where you belong. Are you listening to me? And because of this, if you have soul dementia, you will be like my friend. You will not be able to go back home, your own spiritual home. You won't be able to find your way. And, you know, when you, when you, when you think about this, I, I just want to share Deuteronomy again. Because this is what he does. He goes through a, he, he understands that this is the disease that will steal away from people their relationship with God. And so he warns them of this soul dementia. And he says, you've got to remember. One more time, pinch somebody beside you and say, you've got to remember. You've got to fight this soul dementia. You have to. And so what Moses does is he gives a history class. And he, he goes back to, to what they went through. Let, let's read um, 
Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea from the going by the way of Mount Seir. Moses knew it would just take 11 days from, from Mount Sinai all the way to the promised land. 11 days. Everybody say 11 days. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. And so Moses was reminding them of the tragedy that had happened to them, specifically their parents. Because their par this is what happened to their parents. Instead of an 11-day hike, it became a 40-year circuitous death journey. What a calamity. Horrible thing. And so this was the second generation listening to him. But I want you to know that, again, the difficulty of this text in the book of Deuteronomy is that Moses is confusing. We talked about this last week, if you recall. Why is it as though Moses is talking to the first generation, the actual rebels, when in fact they're already gone, they're already dead, and he was now talking to the children, and yet when he was talking, he would say, you rebels, you know, and this is what you did. <laughs> and, 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 but I believe that the author of Deuteronomy was, was being very intentional about this. Ask me, why? why? How many of you have... Every once in a while, you make mistakes and you sin against the Lord. And, you know, sometimes you do your own will and not God's will. And, and so the book of Deuteronomy is talking to prodigals like you and me. That we want to return to the Lord. We've, you know, insisted our own way, rebelled against God. And now we want to go back. And so Moses is speaking to all of us. And there's this American author named George Santayana, and maybe you're familiar more with his quote rather with him, because he says, somewhere in the 18th, 19th century, I, I think, I'm, I'm not sure, he said, those who do not remember the past are condemned to forget it. Can you read that quote again with me, please? And, and so we need to remember we need to remember. And so this is what Moses was doing. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. At the end of his history class, he says, But watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind for as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. We need to remember. We need to never, never forget. So there are two things that you should never forget. Number one, how many? Number one, never forget what? Remember God's painful lessons. Everybody say that, painful lessons. How many of you have ever experienced God's painful lessons? How, have, have you experienced that in your life? That when you have failed him, when you disobeyed him, when you did not trust him, calamity struck. You experienced bad consequences from your bad decisions. Raise your hand if you've experienced that in your life. Unless, of course, you're perfect. You don't have to raise your hand. Raise your hand. You failed God and you tasted the bitter effect of disobeying God. Have you? It's funny when, when you think about it, you know, when, for example, when God says be patient, you did not become patient, and you blew your top, and you experienced bad consequences because you did not obey the Lord. Instead of trusting in Him and surrendering to Him, you tried to take matters into your own hands, and you rushed in, and you did something that you later regretted, yes or no? And now you're looking at... I wish I just trusted in the Lord and I just wish I just obeyed Him. Am I making sense to you? We experience bad consequences. Now those bad consequences, I'm telling you, they are God's painful lessons. Are you with me on this? I'll give you some stories and then maybe, maybe just one. Maybe just one. Um, let me tell you about, I cannot tell you her real name, Sally. Let's call her Let's call her Sally. That's not her real name. Um, she 
was one day she found herself because of greed, because of carelessness, and because of financial ignorance, she found herself buried in a four million debt. And it was so bad. You know, she told me, Brother Bo, it is so bad. It's like if there is a place in the world that I will consider hell, it is that. May utang ka, wala ka pambayad. Ang laki, laki, laki ng utang. Lumalaki pa yung utang araw-araw. It's hell. Anybody here who's had that experience in your past and you agree? And wala kayong ganong utang. I congratulate you. No, really, I do. It's horrible. You know, she would stand in the MRT. Gusto niyang... You know, when the, with the MRT train is coming, she, she just wants to kill herself. She just wants to die, disappear. The only thing that prevented her were two small children. And she said, no, they're too, you know, I, I, they need me. I want you to know that this story ha ends in a happy ending because after many years of hard work, discipline, and miracles from God, she got out of debt, and she is debt-free. Now, I want you to know this, that she would tell me, and, and I'm sorry if I'm going to say some bad words here in my talk because that, that's what she says, and I want to really make you feel what she feels. She says, Alam mo, Brother Bo, pag meron akong ano, yung, this temptation to be careless again with my money, I will tell myself, Ano ako? Tanga? Babalik sa impyerno? Will I be insane enough to go back to hell? Hello? You know, she, she, she has two words that she uses to wake up herself from the hypnosis of temptation. The temptation to greed and the temptation. She would tell herself two words, never again. I love it. I really do. And it's something that we can tell ourselves. But you have to remember the painful lesson that God allowed you to experience. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Tell somebody beside you, never again. Whatever situation you had in the past, wag mo na ulitin. Wag ka na maging T-A-N-G-A. You've got, you, you know, you're, we're insane. We keep on going back to whatever God allowed us to experience as a lesson, as a painful lesson. But there is something so much better than learning from our painful lessons. Ask me what? What is better than, than learning from your painful lessons? Guess. You don't know? Learning. Everybody say, see it. See it. Learning from the painful lessons of other people. You don't have to experience it. You just look. Ay, kawawa naman siya. Never again. You don't want to taste what that person experienced. Let me tell you two stories, just quick ones. There's this man, young guy, comes up to me, and he tells me his story. You know, he is someone, you, he can never walk into a casino. Never. He can never play isabong. He cannot play and sit down in a harmless game of mahjong. Ask me why. Because he saw his mother's life destroyed by gambling. His mother was addicted to gambling and his mother lost her job. Why? She stole from her company and she, she, she actually went to jail for a few days. You know, it was a horrible experience. And, and, and he said, I saw how gambling destroyed someone I dearly loved. And it was so painful, I said to myself, never in my life. Do you get what I'm saying? He learned from the painful lesson of other people. This is what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. This was the second generation, remember? They did not experience what their parents experienced, but they saw. Am I, am I making sense to you? They saw the effect of their bad decisions, of not trusting God. 
Moses was telling them, he, he basically for three chapters, he said, he, re, he retold the story that we talked about in the book of Numbers, in the book of Leviticus. He told them, you were about here, you were here 40 years ago, you were in the doorstep of the promised land. Your parents were supposed to go in, but it got delayed for 40 years because they sent spies. The spies saw giants. They were afraid. God was saying, Kaya Yuyan, you can conquer those giants and the people of Israel said no we cannot and 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 Joshua you know and and the Caleb they were saying trust God we can do this and they said no no and they wept for 40 more years are you listening to what I'm saying Moses had to retell that story to this new generation because he wanted them to understand you may not have made the mistake you may you were not the ones who disobeyed God but listen you tasted the consequences and so you've got to learn from the lessons of other people everybody say I'm hearing this and the second thing oh I told you that there's a second there's a second story about this other guy I met he's somebody who has a beautiful family life but but he comes from a, his father he, he discovered you know was had a second family and then he, he realized that it's like a family tradition the uncles have, have are, are playboys and the, the grandfather is as a two-timer and all of that so so and and he was here at the feast and and he told he told he told me, and he, and he told his wife, and, and he, he told, he said, not, not me. It stops with me. I'm going to have a great marriage. I'm going to have an amazing marriage. You know why? He looked at his father and the horror, the, hor the horrible pain that he caused his family. And looked at his uncles. He looked at his grandfather and said, not me. This couple is strong. This couple is loving. This couple is committed. This couple is serving the Lord. And I... I'm going to ask you a very uncomfortable question. May I? May I? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. This will be very uncomfortable. What mistakes? What mistakes did your parents make that you can learn from so that you can say never again? Meron ba? Meron? Tell somebody beside you, the cycle stops with me. Well, Anna, it's gone. They've made mistakes. Amen? Let's all stand. Number two. What's number one? Remember God's painful lessons. Everybody say that. Hallelujah. Remember. Remember the pain you went through when you disobeyed God. Remember the pain. Remember. Remember. So you will never do it again. Amen? Number two. Well, by the way, you, you know my story, right? I went through pornography. I was addicted to pornography. Years ago, I, I'm telling you, I, I've experienced the horror of that. It is so horrible. It ate me up. It destroyed my life. And so now, many decades later, I look back at my past and I say, <laughs> never again. No way. I don't, want, I, I don't want that horrible pain, the jail that I was in. I, I can't. I, I taste the bitter taste in my mouth it's just and I want you to have that experience I, God is telling you remember the pain when you disobeyed me remember the pain when you did not trust me remember the pain when you insisted your way I want you to have fullness of joy I want you to have peace in your life but you tell somebody beside you again remember God's painful lessons here's number two are you ready the second speaker will preach this. Remember God's persistent love. God's persistent love. Because God, and, and, and um, you might say, Brother Bo, Diba, God's painful lessons come from His love? Yes. 
but I'm emphasizing the painful lesson. But please understand, the reason why God allows the bad consequences of your bad decisions, ask me why, because He loves you. If He does not love you, then this is what He's going to do. Oh, do whatever you want to do. Be greedy, be proud, be, you know, selfish, eh, go. I don't care. No, God is a God who says, I care for you. You made a wrong decision. I'm going to allow the bad consequences to bite you so that you will learn and so that you will understand that that's not the way to do it. Am I making sense to you? That's the love of God. That's the persistent love of God. Another phrase for God's painful lesson is God's justice. And we don't talk about it so much, but we need to because God's justice and God's love are one. Are you listening to me? And because of this, I want you to listen to this next guy who will preach, Audi Villarasa. You can take your seats again. We're not done yet. You know, Deuteronomy is something that's so relevant to a lot of us, and you probably don't know this yet, that if you're Filipino, Deuteronomy is something that's very close to your heart. When I was listening to Brother Bo and we realized that verse, 11 days turned into 40 years? As a Filipino, you'll understand that because you go through EDSA every day. Sundays when I go to PICC, it takes me 30 minutes to get here. But Mondays, it takes me three hours from my place. So as a Filipino, you know that, that little journey. I want to continue reading. The book of Genesis, we are in chapter 1. I want you to put your attention now to verse 32. And it says here, Moses is talking to the Israelites, and, and Moses tells them, but if there, even after all that God did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places for you to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, you ever read the Bible sometimes and you feel like God is talking to you directly through the verses? You, you've ever had those moments? Like, like this is for me. Like, God is singling me out. That's, that's how I felt like when I was reading this. Like, this is a direct text message to my number. Like, it, 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 it has my name on it as if, as if God was using it to speak to me. In the sense that I suddenly remem remembered when I was reading this, the many times that I failed God and I sinned against Him and I turned my back on Him and I forgot about Him and I, and I took for granted Him in my life and I realized that even in spite of all the things that I've done, God continues to make me feel like I'm loved. God continues to show me His favor. That's what He was telling the Israelites, that in spite of everything that you've done to disobey the Lord, He continues to show you His favor. And this is a message for you as well. In spite of everything that you've done against God, how you've hurt Him, how you've failed Him, God continues to bless you. Amen? But if there's anything, this is evidence. Like Moses was telling them that in spite of everything that you've done, look, number one, God still, you, still led you to the promised land. Number two, God appointed your leaders. Number three, God won all these victories for you. And number four, He actually divided the land according to each tribe so everybody would flourish. If anything, this is a message of God's relentless love, right? But we also have to be careful. Because I know that sometimes we think that, hey, anyway, God's going to love me. God's going to forgive me. God's going to continue to be there for me. This is not a license for you to abuse God's love. Some people might be thinking like that. You know, anyway, God's going to forgive me. Anyway, God's going to continue to accept me. No, let me put it this way. Just because God's love is relentless, it doesn't mean that you have to be reckless. Say amen if you believe that. It doesn't mean that you have to abuse God's love just because it's there. So how do we solve this problem that Brother Bo calls soul dementia? Everybody say soul dementia. That's kind of deep, right? Dementia of the soul. Here's the solution. You have to establish rituals. Everybody say rituals. 
You have to establish rituals. Some people might call it patterns. I call it habits. Rituals in your life where it will encourage you to do something again and again and again. Because here's the thing. If you don't have rituals or habits in your life in place, you're going to depend on your feelings. And let me tell you, when you start making decisions based on your emotions, that's a bad recipe for success. Because sometimes you'll feel like you want to do it. Sometimes you won't feel like you're doing it. That's our emotions, right? So here's a truth that you can take home today. Write this down or take a screenshot. Make important things automatic. Let me say that again. Make important things automatic. Question, is your health life important to you? Is it? Then what you need to do is you need to establish habits of exercising regularly or eating right and watching your weight because you know that bad cholesterol is not good for you. You make that an automatic thing. You do it again and again. Is your financial life important to you? Hello, Brother Jodine. I see you right there. Just want to acknowledge your presence. The founder of He Cares is here. Hello, brother. Is your financial life health, uh, rather important to you? Yeah? So what you want to do is you want to establish habits of investing and spending wisely and becoming good stewards of your money. Why? Because it's important to you. So you, what you want to do is you want to make the important things automatic so you don't even have to think about it. It's just second nature to you. Are your relationships important to you? So make it a habit you know, to spend time with the people that you love, to exercise, self-sacrifice. That's a good thing to do. In fact, I'll teach you two practical things so you go home today with practical stuff that you can apply in your life, two rituals that you can do starting today, even starting tomorrow. They're called, the first one is called this, personal rituals. Everybody say that, personal rituals. I have a personal ritual that I will share with you today. It's called first light. First light. What does first light mean? It refers to the light that comes first. You don't get to my age without being wise. <laughs> it's the light that comes first. First light is this. The moment I wake up in the morning, the moment my eyes get illuminated with light, I have to remember to do something very important. And for me, this is the most important thing that separates whether I will have a good day or a bad day. The moment I wake up, I thank the Lord. I acknowledge that He woke me up and I praise Him for that. I thank Him. If I have a little more time, because I've got kids at home, sometimes I get time to read Scripture, sometimes I don't. But what I do, and this is a practical advice for parents who have young kids who uh, wake up very early and you have to do errands. I make sure that I read the Word, even just as a story. I use this book called Companion. If you don't have one, you can buy one in the lobby. It's a beautiful book where you can put, you can write down on it, you can underline it, and you can jot down your reflection. So I read the gospel for the day, and I read it like it, I'm reading a story. I don't have to sit down and really break open the Word yet and study it, because what happens is that all throughout my morning, it's here. The story gets lodged here. So it marinates in my mind, and little by little, I get surprises every now and then that God will use that exact story to speak to me. Like for instance, last Tuesday, I stumbled upon this verse in, from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 that says, don't give up in doing the right thing. For at the proper time, you know this verse? You will reap a harvest, so don't give up in doing the right thing. We went to the grocery. Our grocery time is usually in the morning, and we love groceries in, in the morning because there's nobody there. So we went with the kids and my wife, and uh, when we were at the counter, I noticed that it wasn't a long line, but I noticed that behind me, there was somebody who only had three items. So you know what I did? I remembered that verse. Don't give up in doing the right thing. You know what I did? I asked the kuya, kuya, kayo na po mauna. Hindi po ako nagmamadali. So I allowed them. Question, was that the right thing to do? Yeah, it was. Because I wasn't rushing. I wasn't in a hurry. It was not an emergency, so I allowed him to go through it. And then as I was going to the parking lot, we, par we, we would usually park outside so we would get vitamin D. And uh, I was unloading the baggages in the trunk, and I put the, trunk, the, 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 the groceries in the trunk. And usually, sometimes when you're rushing, some people, they leave the grocery cart right beside the car. I don't know if you've ever done that, but because I remembered that piece of scripture, don't give up in doing the right thing, even if you're tired, even if you're feeling lazy. So you know what I did? I walked back to the grocery to put back the shopping cart. Question, was that the right thing to do? Yes, yes 
Absolutely. So you see, what I'm trying to say is that if I allow the moment I wake up, if I allow the things of the world to occupy my mind, my mind will be in different directions. I'd be focusing on my obligations, my worries, my fears, my frustrations, my discouragement. But I realized that if the first thing that I do the moment I wake up is to let God's Word occupy my mind and my heart, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm more patient. I'm more understanding. I'm looking for ways on how to be kind to people. That's how the Word of God affects you. So that's what you need to do. But here's the, the secret. You have, if you're going to establish habits, you have, the key is to make it consistent. Everybody say consistent. It has to be repetitive and regular, day to day. In fact, there was a, an organization that did this study, the Center for Biblical Engagement. They did a survey of 40,000 people between the ages of 8 and 80. That's a big gap, right? But the study focused on the effects of people when they get exposed to Scripture, how their behavior changes. So the first they took one group. For a couple of weeks, they studied these people who would just be, have an encounter with Scripture or maybe have an encounter with God, whether through Mass, whether through the daily readings, just once a week. And they noticed this, that there was no change in their behavior. In fact, some of you know this. You know, you go to Mass once a week, you go Sunday Mass, Day of Obligation, and you're feeling inspired after the talk, and you're feeling so holy after this, but then that feeling doesn't even make it outside of the parking lot. Why? Because somebody cuts in front of you, and now you're feeling discouraged, and you're feeling frustrated. Am I preaching the truth? No change for people who just have an encounter with the Lord once a week. But they notice that for, pe for people who encountered scripture or the word twice a week really no change at all as well the same thing very little change or, or no change at all but people who were exposed to scripture at least three times a week they noticed that there was this you know little change like people would show signs of life like a faint pulse a faint heartbeat when they got to the group who were exposed to scripture at least four times a week you know what happened they were shocked because the changes of that person in terms of their behavior, all of a sudden, it just jumped up. In fact, they made a study, and they put out this research. I'll read it to you. In data form, they observed that people who had encounters with Jesus or encounters with His Word four times or more than four times a week, here's the first data. They noticed that people who did that, the feeling of loneliness dropped to 30%, 30%. People who encountered Scripture four times a week, anger issues drops by 32%. People were less angry. Bitterness in relationships, it dropped 40%. Can you imagine? Alcoholism dropped 57%. Premarital sex, all the singles, listen to this. Encounter with the word four times a week, more than four times a week. It dropped to 68%. That's, that's amazing. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. And Brother Bo mentioned it earlier. People who struggle with pornography, when you encounter the word at least more than four times, viewing pornography drops to 61%. But here's the good news as well. People who were exposed to Scripture again and again, they shared their faith, and it jumped up to 200%. Amazing, right? Here's the last thing. Discipling others, it just shot up to 230%. Isn't this encouraging? I mean, the more that you are exposed to the Word, and you're, it changes the way you view life, and all of a sudden, you're looking for ways on how you can improve as a person. No wonder Scripture said this in, in the book of Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So start a personal ritual, something that you can anchor yourself to every day and make it consistent. 
so that you have something to always go back to. Whether you pray in the morning or you pray at night, make it very consistent. I, I, I notice this, that when you start your day with gratitude, you end your day with gratitude, no matter what happens during your day. That's why there are so many people, you wake up with anger, I'm telling you, your entire morning will be angry. You'll be frustrated. Win your mornings by winning it with gratitude. Touch your neighbor and say, be grateful every morning. Amen. That's the first ritual. Here's the second ritual. It's called communal ritual. Everybody say communal. Communal ritual is, it's logical. It's actually self-explanatory. It's communing with other people. In my household, we have two kids, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. They don't know how to pray very well yet except for our five-year-old son. In fact, I love it whenever we pray before the meals. Usually, I would be the one to pray, but we noticed. Sometimes it's my wife who prays, but I noticed that little by little, my son will not allow the prayer to end without him having a part in that prayer. And you know how he would usually pray? He would always say, thank you, Lord, for. That's how we would always start. Thank you, Lord, for. Thank you, Lord, for. And I noticed that when he was young, his prayer was always, thank you, Lord, for my toys. Thank you for my Paw Patrol collection. Thank you for my Legos. Thank you for my clothes. It will always be about stuff. But... Lately, we've noticed that Ethan's prayer has changed a little bit. It's no longer about, thank you, Lord, for my stuff, but thank you, Lord, for mom. Thank you, Lord, for Ellie. Thank you for dad. Thank you for Kuya Liam. Thank you for Kuya Lance. He prays for people now, and we've, we've seen his change. But this is something that I believe every family should have. Healthy, safe conversations. Because our home is supposed to be a safe place. Do you agree? But the sad reality is that there are not a lot of homes who are like that. Sometimes... Your home, it's not a safe place. And you feel like the very place where you are supposed to feel safe is the very place where you feel like you're being condemned. So parents, can you raise your hand, parents? Let me talk to you. Your job is to make your home into a safe place. Because the last thing that you want is people taking their issues outside because they're not able to deal their issues inside your homes. In fact, let me say this to the parents. Here's what you need to do. You build strong and safe and secure tables in your house. Parents, ask me why. why? A little bit louder, why? why? So that your children will never have to look for a seat in the table of others. If you've got a safe place at home, why do I need to look for acceptance and love and encouragement in the seat or the homes of other people because I can find it here at home? That's what our safe home should look like. But more than just these two things, personal ritual, communal ritual, you know what we really need? We need a strong family of families. A strong family of families. What do I mean by that? You ever heard of the African proverb that says, it takes a village to raise a child? You've heard of that? You know what I believe? That's true. But I also believe this, that it takes a family to raise, or rather a strong family to raise another family. That's why God built His church. Did you know that, what is today, August 13? Did you know that last August 3, the light of Jesus' family celebrated 46 years of its existence? 43, rather, I stand corrected, 43. 1997, right? 1997. The feast is 26 years old. Where, where did it start? in a garage. How did it start? Through a small family. Am I correct? Or am I inventing? <laughs> you want to come up here and correct me? It, it, it started with a family. Yes. Because I wasn't born yet. I was born in 1998. <laughs> wow. So it started with a little family. But you know how it was able to expand? through other families that kept on growing and growing and growing. And now look at the feast. It's all over the world. We're international. Amazing. And I don't know if this is the first time you just walked in here, or maybe you've been attending since 1997, but the important thing is that you're still here. That's what's most important. You know, in my ministry, I joined the Light of Jesus family in 2008. It's 15 years ago. And... I've been through different sets of people. Like, if I look at it from the past, 
I remember I have so many different people that I've encountered and walked with. People from the music ministry, people from the production ministry, people from the creatives ministry, people from the admin ministry. I've served in so many different capacities. And what I'm so grateful about is the fact that some people may have come, some people may have gone, but at least we're still here. And you're part of the family. Can you just elbow somebody beside you and say, you're family. This is a family affair. And the reason why we're still here is because of our small groups. Are you part of your light group? Do you, does everybody here have a light group? Yeah? If you don't have one, please sign up in the lobby. This is my invite to encourage you to sign up for a small group. Because that's the way that you will survive in the world with your small group, with your squad of people who prays with you, who prays for you. Sign up in the lobby today and uh, that's how God will disciple you. One person at a time. The people who are in my light group, they're people who I've been walking with for many, many years. They're my best men. They're the ninongs of my kids. They're people that I confide to. In fact, I cannot remember how many times my close people in my life have rescued me and have been there for me. Brother Bo, Sister Maru, Brother Alvin, and all the other people in my life. So start planting roots with a, with a small group of people that you have. Amen? Can I invite everybody to stand? I'll end with one last story. I, I want to go back to that grocery story that I had. Whenever we would go to the grocery, me and my family, it will always be as a family, you know, our kids would be with us and my wife would be with me. But I realized it's a fun thing to do together, but I realized that going to the grocery as a family is very expensive because you start out with a list of 10 and by the time you're in the counter, it becomes 50. It's very expensive, but I don't mind it. You want to know why? Ask me why. Because there used to be a time when we couldn't go to the grocery as a family. You remember about three years ago? when only one person was allowed to go out because of COVID and you had to go to the grocery and you were all covered up. You looked like an astronaut with everything that was covering your body. And, and uh, when you went home, you had to wash. Did you do that? You had to wash the cans, the bottles, all, everything. In fact, some of you went as far as even washing the paper bills with soap and the coins. And then you had to have a foot bath and you had to take a bath and you were so paranoid, all of us. We had to do that. And some of you even, you know, washed the face mask that you had, and you know. But nowadays, do you still remember those times? You say yes, but I'm pretty sure that just like me, you you probably forgotten about it because that's what you do now every day. You know, you go go out in traffic. Some of you you still wear masks. Some people don't wear masks anymore because there's already that amount of comfort. We're very comfortable, and we know that you know God has already conquered COVID. And there may be sicknesses around, but we know that God is, 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 is good. We know that he, he's, he's bigger than this thing. But I want to point out that, that thing about us forgetting. Because there's a sense in which sometimes we forget. Me, sometimes I take for granted that now I, I go out and I don't have to wear a mask. It used to be a time that I was praying, Lord, when is this going to ever end? Because it's so uncomfortable to wear a mask. When is this going to end? The inconvenience of having to wash the groceries every time we go out. Of having to think, am I bringing a sickness to my family? When will this end? And now we are at the place where that's long gone. I mean, how many months have we enjoyed this freedom of being with the Lord? But sometimes that's the problem. When you get used to something, you take it for granted. And I'm not just talking about COVID, but I'm also talking about people. When you're together with somebody, sometimes you take them for granted because they're always there by your side and you think they're always going to be there. But the time will come when all of a sudden, that's it. Life is short. But when you start remembering, remembering helps you realize. Can you say that with me? Remembering helps me realize. Because when you start remembering the past, when you start looking at what has been, you start thinking, oh my gosh, I'm actually blessed because I may not be where I want to be, but I am where I'm not, I used to be. And I'm grateful that I'm here and I'm blessed that I'm here. And I remember that. But one of the most powerful things that when you remember, that remembering does is this. Have you lost somebody that you love the most? Yeah? 
I lost my dad when I was 25, 26 years old. And not a day goes by that I would remember him. But let me rephrase that. Actually, no. There are days that I don't remember him. That's a sad reality. I mean, there are days that I forget about him. The days that I do remember him are times when I wish that he was here to see my kids grow up and how he would have loved to see them grow up and how in church he would have loved community. My dad was a people person. Most of the skills and, and stuff that I learned being with people are from him. But I remember my dad during his birthdays and death anniversaries. But when I remember him, I don't know if you've ever felt this, that when you remember somebody, it feels like they're so close to you. Like they're right there. And you imagine them to be with you. You remember that? Like they're here right now with me. And that's the power of remembering that they're there. And ultimately, you know that whenever you remember Jesus, whenever you pray to him, whenever you say your prayer before the meals, whenever you thank him, did you know what happens? you suddenly realize that, hey, Jesus is here with me. He's always been here with me. He never left me. He's been here with me ever since in my good times and in my bad times, in my victories and in my defeat. Jesus is with me. That's the power of remembering. And so that's what we're going to do right now, that as we worship Jesus, we remember the past but we don't forget about the present right now. And what's most important is that He's here. Jesus is with us. From the moment you wake up, when light hits your eyes, you say, thank you, Jesus, for being with me yesterday, for being with me today, and for being with me the next day, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Are you ready to worship Jesus? Lift up your hands. Father, look at your people today. Look at their gratitude in their hearts. This place is filled with so much thanksgiving for all the things that you have done for us, for how much you have blessed us, for how much you have loved us, for all the situations and places that you have brought us through. And today, we allow our gratitude to fill this place to lift up our thanksgiving in song and in prayer. We worship you in spirit and in truth to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done, for what you are doing, and for what you are still about to do. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.